Yolanda. Are we live already? It says recording. Okay. Okay, everyone, and thank you and welcome to our live Wednesdays. Um, sorry, we're just a little bit starting just a few seconds late here. So um, we're going to go ahead and get started with our live Wednesdays. For those of you who are just joining us who don't know about our live Wednesdays, our live Wednesdays are where we go live, obviously, on the Narcissistic Domestic Violence Healing and Support page. And we have different topics that we discuss each time. So it's a domestic violence and narcissist abuse one-on-one session where you will learn different things about domestic violence and narcissist abuse each time. So today's topic for the live Wednesday is trauma bonding and love bombing. And so today I have myself, Teresa Simon, Executive Director and Founder of Narcissistic Domestic Violence Healing and Support Incorporated. And I have Yolanda Oliver, Board Member of NDV Healing and Support Incorporated, and also Nicole Davis, Board Member of NDV, Support, NDV Healing and Support Incorporated. So we're going to get right into our topic. Um, thank you again for joining us. So it's a two-part um, topic, which is trauma bonding and love bombing. Um, so for trauma bonding, most people, um, there are some people that don't know about trauma bonding, and the way that trauma bonding usually comes up is that a lot of times in abusive relationships, people tend to ask, want to know or ask the victim, why do they stay? A lot of times people are really puzzled and confused as to why a person may stay in an abusive relationship and why it is so difficult to get out of an abusive relationship. And that's where trauma bonding comes in. So I will go over the definition for trauma bonding because there may be some people out there who do not know what trauma bonding is. So trauma bonding is a type of toxic bond that occurs when the abuser alternates between creating highs and lows in the relationship and offers reward or punishment as they deem fit. They will train the victim that happiness is solely dependent on how well they can please the abuser, and the trauma bond can outlive the relationship. So for example, if the relationship lasted six years, the trauma bond, it's very well may be that the trauma bond can last 10 years. Um, and it will leave the victim craving comfort for the very person who hurt them. Um, another things about trauma bonding, it is, it's a power imbalance, as I just discussed, and when things are going well, when the abuse is not occurring, the brain will release a chemical called oxytocin, which is um, often called the love hormone, and that increases the attachment. So 
they're bonded to this abuser. Um, and therefore, when the abuser is abusive, um, they, they have this, in the trauma bond, they're creating this need for support and care, and then the victim may turn to the abuser um, because of the, the trauma bond that's, that's already been established. And oftentimes, the abusers are, you know, very loving and affectionate, you know, during this honeymoon phase, um, which only reinforces this traumatic bond. The other thing to know about trauma bonds is that they can occur during childhood. So um, what can happen is the, a person, the victim could have been, had a traumatic bond with their parent, and then they grew up and they started having intimate relationships and they started to have trauma bonds with their intimate partner, their abuser. So in childhood with the parent, there, there was an inconsistent parent or in, um, inconsistent attachment to the parent um, where the parent would be like, do um, sort of a love and rejection, love and rejection. And so this taught the victim that this is how love is. And then the victim goes on and grows up and go, gets into intimate relationships and has that same trauma bond, only it's with the abusive partner. So that's part of the reason why trauma bonds are very difficult to break. Um, the other thing about trauma bonds are that um, it is an addiction, which is something else that people um, may not know or may not understand about trauma bonds. It is an addiction. It is very much an addiction um, like alcohol or an addiction to drugs. So what will happen is that the victim will have to learn um, how to, um, the same way that an alcoholic has to work at being sober and constant, you know, and go to AA meetings and things like that, and the same way that um, a drug user or a heroin user has to um, go to treatment and work at being sober, the same thing happens with a victim um, when they're trying to break the trauma bond. Mo that is why most um, experts will tell the victim that it's best to go no contact. That's the victim's way of more or less staying sober. But in this case, it's, it's, you know, being sober from the abuser, you know, trauma bond, getting out of that. So going no contact. Now there are obviously a lot of victims who have children with their abuser. So in those cases, it's usually suggested to have a third party, um, communicate so that the victim doesn't have to communicate with the, the abuser. Sometimes they have, um, there's, if there's court, um, like there's custody that has been established, a lot of times the court will have a special app that you can communicate. Um, but if it's just completely impossible for you to go no contact because of some, um, you know, special situation with the children, then, you know, gray rock is a second method. Um, Obviously, no contact is the most favored me method, but gray rock is the, is the next method. And gray rock, for those of you who may not know, is that um, it's just very straightforward, factual answers, zero emotion, just yes, no, you know, keep it about the kids, um, and you get off the phone, you're done. It's just very, um, almost as if you were talking to someone about the weather. It's just, yep, it's cold outside. Okay, great, we're done. No emotion, just... Um, because the more um, 
contact that you you have with the abuser and especially um, the more they can can um, get their foot in that door to to either manipulate you and to try to um, reinforce that trauma bond so um, um, go ahead Yolanda and Nikki I know I've been talking for a while sorry about that but um, it, for those of you um, who may not know me trauma bonding is um, one of my favorite subjects to talk about because I find that a lot of people don't know about it and um, a lot of people especially in some of the um, other support groups that I've I've joined and I've been in and facilitated before one of the biggest questions I've always um, heard in the, the support groups is why do I feel this need this impulse to this urge to just keep going back to my abuser and keep talking to him I don't understand like why do I why am I feeling this way why am I feeling like I'm going through withdrawal I get so many questions I've heard that countless number of times and this is why because of the trauma bond so a lot of people don't know about that so that is one of my more um, favorite subjects because I do like to you know, inform people of that. So, but go ahead and jump in, Yolanda, Nikki, because I know I've been talking a lot. <laughs> um, I was going to say, because um, trauma bond is a huge factor, but also coupled with some things that we um, spoke about last week in regards to getting your own mental health together as well and making sure that, because that's what they, because they, they look for particular victims to impose this method on that are going to fall to their manipulation is what they do so to help from that or from being picked off is just to basically have your mental health in order so that way you don't portray the um, characteristics that they're looking for when they're looking for someone to get into a relationship with definitely Yolanda did you want to um, step in here and say a couple things about trauma bonding and some of the things that you've either experienced or you've, um, you know, um, witnessed in support groups or some or about trauma bonding. Um, I wouldn't add anything to what you already said. I would definitely um, echo what Nikki said. It's really, but back to what we said last week is really identifying where you are in your situation because it's very important to understand how you're impacted. Everyone might not go through the trauma bond. And some people will. So it's really important to know where you are so you can know what steps you need to take to get out of that situation or out of that relationship. So it's really important to understand and ask questions where you don't know, which is really good. Um, it's nothing wrong with asking questions because it's the more you know, the more you can self-support as well as know what resources you need to help support you as well. So that's that's the only thing I would add at this point because I'm trying to get onto the page so I can see the live and see if there's any comments. But I wanted to know if like- Yes, thank you for that. <laughs> in the chat, if you guys are watching live, are you experiencing trauma bond or do you, um, do you think, have you, have you experienced trauma bond? I just want to know if anybody is, um, just interact with people to see what they're thinking or if they have any thoughts related to it based off of what we said so far. Yes, thank you. And thank you for um, answering the chat. Yes, um, please chime in um, for those of us that are watching us live. And even if you're catching this on the replay, let us know um, if you've experienced trauma bond and your experience with trauma bond and how that went for you. Um, but back to what I was saying about the withdrawal, you, um, 
people, a lot of, like I said, it isn't the trauma bond is an addiction, which a lot of people may not know. And just like an addiction, you will experience a withdrawal. Um, and there is a period and it's different from, you know, for each individual, um, you know, there's people that have gone through that period for weeks. There's people who have gone through it for longer, but you will go through a period of, of withdrawal to where it will really, um, um, you may even um, experience physical symptoms, but you will definitely have those impulses and those urges to to go back and contact the abuser. It'll feel like you can't um, be without that abuser. And so you'll, you know, maybe check in your phone, you know, wanting to call, wanting to text, wanting to, to see the abuser. So that is um, something that people do experience with the trauma bond. Um, and the other thing about that, too, with the trauma bond is that um, you will go through that withdrawal period, and there will also be um, periods where, because, well, let me go back. So when I was talking about the withdrawal and, and how difficult that is when you're um, going through that trauma bond and, you know, you're going through that withdrawal period, um, please keep in mind that um, statistically it can take up to seven times for a victim to, to leave an abuser. So a lot of that is, is the trauma bond. A lot of times people um, are struggling with going not, no contact with the abuser. And so, and they're struggling with those impulses and those urges to, to contact the abuser. And so a lot of times they do end up going back. Um, it's just like, you know, again, because it is an addiction. So it's just like when, you know, an alcoholic, um, is, is struggling with sobriety and, and then they, they have a relapse and they take a drink. Um, so, and when you're, that's where it's, why it's so important, um, to have a support system and, um, you know, there are agencies like NDV Healing Support Incorporated, as well as Live Fearless Incorporated, um, and Survivors overcoming abusive partners. So where you have a support system and you, we, you know, we have a mentoring and co coaching program and you can reach out um, to have one-on-one -on -one support and we will be able to coach and guide you. Um, or if you, um, we also can refer you if you, you know, choose to refer to get um, coaching or if you, um, you know, need a referral for counseling or anything like that so that we can get you to where you need to be, but so that you will have the support that you need when you are going through that. Um, because when you have, it makes all the difference in the world when you have that support system, or if you have that person, you can go to and say, you know what, today I'm having a really bad day. I really feel like um, I want to break no contact. And I really feel like I want to talk um, to my abuser. That way you have that person, um, to, to walk you through that process so that you don't make that phone call um, and you, you deal with, you know, what you're going through in the moment because it, it can be difficult. There's a couple of comments in the chat that I just wanted to um, touch on. So Amy Elizabeth, I'm sorry, Melissa Dudley, she said, I did, I found it rooted in rejection and fear of rejection, which was developed from my childhood. I have um, also, she mentioned, I have fear when I leave him, I won't make it without him. Mm. And then Tasha said, I have noticed a pattern of relationships that have been toxic stemming from early childhood rejection 
is the big thing for me. I speak with my supervisors often because I want to keep from counter transference of my clients. She's a therapist. And then Christy mentioned, I feel your fear, but even though it's, it is crappy, there is help for you one step and one day at a time. So I just want to thank everybody for sharing what you're experiencing in the chat um, with us openly. That takes courage and we appreciate it. Um, and to Amy's point that there is help. Um, Christy, as Teresa was just mentioning, if you want mentorship or support, we can help support you through the process as you get the tools that you need to really get you through the process of healing and breaking away from those type of relationships that are unhealthy for you. Yes. Um, so I thank you everybody for so far who's commented in the chat. Thank you. And I just wanted to touch on, and I'm not sure what the name was, but the first comment you read where um, I think she had stated that she, you know, she feels like um, she may not make it without him. Um, that's actually a very common um, feeling that victims have. What, what ends up happening um, a lot of times in abusive relationships, whether it be financially, you feel like, you know, you may, it may be difficult to make it, or it could be emotionally, um, you know, it's, it's part of that traumatic bond and it's part of what, ha what takes place in abusive relationships um, because a lot of time, you know, that manipulation that occurs with it, they want you to believe that you won't be able to make it without them them but you definitely can um and we definitely are here to support you um at any time if you want to um you know let us know and we will be glad to you know do mentoring and coaching with you we're definitely here as a support system for you um you know there are you know it's great if you do have family and friends that are supportive of you but we are here for you as well if you need the support um because i don't want anyone to ever feel like um you know you you have to stay and that you won't make it without the abuser. Trust me when I say that that's what they, they want you to believe, but you will be able to make it without him and we're definitely here to support you. So I just wanted to touch on that comment. And again, I also wanted to um, reiterate what Yolanda said. Thank you everyone that has been um, interacting with us and um, you know, posting their, their comments because it is very brave and, you know, we appreciate you sharing with us and sharing your stories. So please, you know, keep them coming. And if you have any questions, um, be, feel free to ask as well. So part of the, the um, so we did talk about the trauma bond. Um, and so uh, for those of the watch that are watching, you, you now know that that is an addiction and it is um, very difficult to break. And it, can start in childhood with your parents and it's something that you have to work on and going no contact is typically the best way. So we did cover things with the trauma bond. What I want to now talk about is love bombing because that's how the abuser typically starts the, uh, that's how the abuser typically forms that trauma bond. So, and before I really get into love bombing, um, I do want to go over a little bit about um, the narcissistic wheel. So most people know that, that, you know, there is a wheel of domestic violence and how there is a cycle, um, you know, where the tension builds. Um, um, well, you know, there'll be a honeymoon phase and then there'll be a tension building phase and then um, abuse will occur and that cycle will be a continuous cycle. And that's, you know, 
domestic violence. Um, narcissist abuse, first and foremost, narcissist abuse is domestic violence. Um, but there is a, um, a, a different wheel for narcissist abuse. So typically, if you have an abuser that isn't an a narcissist, um, and not all abusers are narcissists, but there are quite, quite a great deal that are, um, there'll be two wheels going on if your abuser is a narcissist. So there'll be that domestic violence wheel, which I just talked about. Um, and then there'll be that narcissistic will. Now, the narcissistic will goes through the idealization fate, um, step, and then there's a devaluation, and then there's the discard. Now, in the idealization phase, that's where the love bombing happens. Um, that's when you're the greatest thing that ever happened to them, and they're just, you know, so, so in love with you, and you're just, you're just their world. Then the devaluation phase comes and you're the worst person that they ever met and you can't do anything right. And um, pretty much everything in the world that happens, you know, is your fault. And even if you weren't even there, it's still your fault. This is what they try to make you believe. Um, and this is also typically where abuse is occurring. Um, if not physical, you know, definitely emotional, financial, and, and other aspects of abuse. Um, and then there's the discard phase where they've moved on and now they typically start with a new supply, new victim. So um, the idealization phase is where the love bombing happens. And that's also how they create the trauma bomb because, and they know that this is a manipulation tactic. They know that they're, they're doing the love bombing so they can create this trauma bomb because they don't want you to leave. Um, and so the way to get you not to leave is I'm going to do all this love bombing and then I'm going to create this trauma bond, and then it's gonna be difficult for the victim to leave. So the trauma bond will go, um, I'm sorry, the love bombing, will go over that definition. So with love bombing, there it's basically being showered with affection, gifts, promises, promises about the future, pretty much making someone believe that you may have discovered love at first sight. Like they make you think that this is, you are the one, you're the only one. Um, they're, they're overly loving, caring and affectionate. And they just seem to get everything about you. They understand everything about you. Um, they mirror you. And this is what a lot of the, the narcissists do. They, they mirror you. So all your dreams, all your goals, um, even, you know, maybe even your parenting style and all the things that you want out of life, they want those things too. They want those same exact things because they're mirroring you. So to the point where it's, it's, it's a replica of exactly what you want, it's you. They're just feeding you back to yourself is what they're doing. Um, and things, the other big thing about the love bombing, because a lot of people watching this could say, oh, well, you know, sometimes people fall in love and, you know, they, they fall in love um, and, you know, what's wrong with that? Well, because people typically um, don't fall in love um, that quickly, and they're not necessarily mirroring, trying to mirror you. So that those are things that are red flags. So, like, um, things progress really, really quickly, and you, um, you, you start, you may... Well, as time goes on, you'll start to wonder about it because the thing, they progress really quickly. And by quickly, I mean, okay, you know, maybe it's a couple weeks in and it's like, now I want to move in with you. Um, now I'm talking marriage, you know, things like that. So what they're doing is they know that they, they have to move this along quick before the mask comes off, before you see who they really are. Um, and so they have to move that process along quickly so that you won't 
know who they are. And by the time you do, the trauma bond has already been formed. So that's why, um, because a lot of people, you know, when we discussed red flags, when we had discussed that last week, one of the things you can do is slow down a relationship. Um, because if um, there are red flags to be seen, you'll be able to take that time to see those red flags. But if you're, you know, the person is trying to rush this along and you're, you're going so fast, you're going, you may miss those, those major marks. Um, and that's what they, they want you to do when they get, um, you know, in an abusive relationship. So that is what love bombing is. It's basically, you know, they're, they're overshadowing you with that affection. They're overshadowing you um, with that attention. And they're also progressing the relationship along way quicker than it should be like, you know, meaning trying to move in within a couple weeks and they're mirroring you every goal and dream. Oh, you want to be a lawyer. I want to be a lawyer too. Oh, you want to have three kids. I want to have three kids too. Like pretty much mirroring everything that you want. Um, so that is how they, they, they reel you in, so to speak, so that they can build that trauma bond. And then when they feel like they've built that trauma bond, poof, the real them will come out and typically the abuse will start to occur. Um, it may start off emotional and, you know, move to physical, but it, you know, it can vary, but that, that's pretty much how that, that cycle goes. Um, so I know I talk a lot. <laughs> um, I have the gift of gab. So Nikki and Yolanda, um, if you wanted to go ahead and join in here, Nikki, go ahead. <laughs> You can also talk about your own experiences, too, because I'm sure that, that people love to hear about that as well, too. So go ahead. I was just going to add that, you know, in addition to normal, like, if you look at a normal relationship and when people break up, it's sad and you have to mourn the relationship in order to move on. So on top of dealing with normal trying to mourn a relationship, you have this severance of the trauma bond, which, um, as you stated earlier, Teresa, um, it messes with your brain as if you were an active, like, alcohol or drug withdrawal, and it messes with the oxytocin levels in your brain, um, which then cause you to crave that attention, you know, or to be with the, or get attention from the abuser. So when people are judging well you know why isn't it so easy to just walk away why don't you just walk away from the relationship and you're trying to explain to this person it's as it like you, you can you don't even have to take drugs some people are addicted to food anything that causes you that happiness like that's essentially what a drug or anything does it's it's a temporary relief to give you that happiness that you've been seeking so when they when you have this trauma bond and they love bomb you and they, you know, and then they take that away, which is when they discard you, you know, it's like, I wasn't ready for that. I wasn't ready for you to take that away. And now I'm, I'm going to do whatever I want or, or can to get it back in my life. And then sometimes that would mean like, I'm not going to tell the police. I'm not going to do, you know, I'm not going to think rationally and do what a rational person should do, you know, when they're being abused because, and that plays on the whole, chemical imbalance that or whatever you could have going on in your brain before you even meet this abuser that is why you were such a target right and you you hit a lot of things right on the nail because that that's 
so true because, um, you know, when they're love bombing you, the oxytocin is being released. And so, um, you know, it increases that attachment and that oxytocin is the same chemical that's being released. Like when a mother has a baby, so that's yeah. why she's bonded with that baby. Well, that's why you're, you know, bonded with that abuser. Mm -hmm. um, and then when they discard you, because, you know, again, going back to that um, narcissistic wheel, the idealization, devaluation, and discard, when they discard you, then you're coming down from that high um, and you're, you're crashing, you're going through withdrawal. You, you, you're like, okay, I need, I need this. I need to go back. I need to go back. And so what a lot of people have such difficulty understanding that, but it's no different than, um, you know, when an alcoholic is, is struggling and they feel like they, they're like having a, a really difficult time. And they're like, I really need a drink today. I really need a drink today. It's, it's the same process. It's just the only difference is it's um, like you said, you mentioned food. That's another addiction that some people have. There's, there's multiple addictions to many things, obviously, besides alcohol and drugs, and trauma bond happens to be another addiction. Um, so yes, that's definitely something um, people need to, that's why I, I talk about trauma bonding so much, because I want a lot of people to understand it. It's something that you really need to understand when um, learning about abusive relationships, because it's, it's not just, oh, I can just, you know, why can't they just walk away? You know, you just walk away. No more than an alcoholic can walk away from a drink. It, it takes a lot of um, work, and it's something that they will have to work at continuously. They work on their sobriety continuously. That's why they continue to go to meetings. And the trauma bond is no different. It's something that a person has, to, a victim has to work on continuously. They have to continuously, you know, work on that and say, okay, you know what, I'm not going to contact um, the abuser in a lot of cases not respond to the abuser when the abuser is trying to contact them, um, which can be difficult because again, you know, there, there's that trauma bond. There's that part of the person because they're addicted that wants to still talk to the abuser. They still want that comfort. They still want that attention, that affection. Um, but unfortunately in an abusive relationship that comes at a price, you know, you'll get that attention and that affection for, so long and then it will go right back to the abuse because it's a it's an abusive cycle it's it's the inevitable unfortunately um and i, so yeah. I just jump in i just want to caution anyone who's going through that trauma bond because you might be seeking or desiring that person but then also you'll seek for that attention and you might seek it from place basically anywhere or anything. So um, you might start to become, you know, really starting to delve into maybe drugs or alcohol or even other people to satisfy the cravings. So it's very important to be mindful of if you're going through a trauma bond and trying to release so that you know that you have to go through the proper steps to release so that you're not taking on other dependencies, trying to replace that person that's no longer in your life. So I just wanted to make sure I said that because I can, I can say that, you know, at, at one point in my life, I was addicted to one person. So then therefore I was like, okay, let me just get with somebody else. It was kind of like a replacement. It didn't help. It didn't do any good. It was just like a replacement and it didn't resolve all of the issues that I had. So I just wanted to caution you all that if you identify that this is where you are, um, just be mindful of what is come going on in your space and that you're not leaning to other things as dependencies to fill that that need that you have um for that person 
Yes, yes, definitely. Uh, you touched on something that's really important because, well, actually you touched on two things because a lot of times um, what will happen is, yes, you that relationship with that abuser will end. Um, either you're discarded or somehow it ends. And then I oftentimes, um, because, you know, we're, we're, we facilitate a lot of um, support groups and, you know, in different things, and we'll often see victims go right into another relationship. Um, and when that happens, typically you will end up in the same situation. And the reason for that, there's, well, there's several, but one of the reasons for that is that you did not take the time to heal and do the work. Um, because if you take the time and heal and do the work and go to therapy, get counseling, um, you know, and then once you're done with, you know, you know, once you're, you've been in counseling for a while, you know, go get coaching and things like that. Then, then you will have, um, you'll be able to get to the root of the problem and, you know, and why you got into abusive relationships and you'll be able to learn and, you know, and educate yourself about domestic violence and narcissist abuse. And then you can go on to seek, you know, and, and be in healthier relationships. But a lot of times if you just go, just go immediately from one to another there, you're not healing. Um, you're not getting the therapy that you need and the, the education that you need and, unfortunately you're ending up in the same situation. So that is, that is a good thing that Yolanda brought up. Or, or another thing um, that could piggyback off of what Yolanda was saying is that you can either pick up another dependency. So instead of maybe jumping from another relationship, um, I've, and I've seen this happen also, um, you know, you become addicted to alcohol, you become addicted to drugs, or you become, um, you pick up smoking, or maybe you become you pick up a food addiction, something else to try to replace um, that addiction that you had with to the abuser. And one of the biggest things that you'll learn, and especially if you you know are in that healing process and you're going to therapy, um, you'll learn that it's it's issues with self soothing. So you're not um, able to self soothe a lot of a lot of the times. That's the case. And so you'll have to, to find things um, to do to self-soothe when you get that, you know, that impulse and that urge, you know, where um, you're like, okay, I really want to talk to my abuser. Okay, let's, let's find something that can be a self-soothing um, activity for me. Maybe I can go take a walk. Maybe I can do some journaling. Um, maybe I can go, go to a friend's house. Um, music, maybe singing something so to to take the place of that um and that's that's very key because then you're you're working on your impulses but you're also um allowing yourself that time to self self-suit because a lot of times that that's what it is like an alcoholic um you know they've had a really bad day and so they're like okay um it's been a really difficult day so they're self-soothing with the the alcohol you know the drinking and much with the victim and the trauma bond and the abuser, they're, they're having a difficult time. So they're, they're running to their abuser for that affection, for that attention, for that. And it's, it's all about learning to find other ways to self-soothe. And it's different for each person because obviously, you know, each person is an individual. Maybe it's walking for you. People, I found a lot of people that exercise really helps them. So it could be walking and running, but it also could be writing and journaling. It could be music, but find something um, to help with you and also find um, a support system, a really good support system. Um, you know, 
a friend, a family member, or um, if you don't have one, you know, feel, feel free to reach out to us, but some type of support system that can also help you out when you're having those urges. I, I would say to best case scenarios to have both, have that support system and those self-soothing activities that you know you can go to. Um, and that will be your way of, of going through it, your way of making a conscious effort every day that you're going to get through the trauma bond. I, I know today that I'm going to do the self-soothing activity of walking. I'm also going to call my support system, my friend today. Um, you know, things that can help you get through that. Go ahead, Nikki, because I know you've been wanting to jump in here. <laughs> No, I was just going to say, essentially, what you're doing is you're reconditioning your brain. And you have to remember, yes. you've been in a long-term domestic violence relationship, how long it took for you to get conditioned to where you are now in that relationship. So you have to have patience because it is a process. But just like you said, Teresa, you in the place of the abuser or, you know, that the emotion that you felt with them, replace it with something like walking. It's typically good to do something that's that, that's physically um, engaging because it'll help raise the natural serotonin levels inside of you so that you'll naturally have like this high, you know, essentially is what I like to call it. <laughs> natural high. <laughs> yeah, it's like a natural high. And that way you're not introducing like anything chemically inside, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's a way, cause I know a lot of people think, well, if I go to therapy, am I going to be put on depression medications? And that's not always helpful. And they try, if you're a good therapist and you do um, the cognitive behavioral um, right. therapy, you try to introduce doing the behaviors on your own, do the work in first, you know, retraining your brain. And then eventually down the line, if it becomes apparent that that's not helpful, that's when they start talking about medication. But that's one thing I wanted to just put out there because retraining your brain is difficult mm -hmm. and it doesn't happen overnight. So a lot of people may want to see results after a week. Well, why do I feel better? Well, it's only been a week. How long were you in that relationship? How long were you being brainwashed in that relationship? It's going to take time to get your brain to know a new normal. Right. And and I think that's the, the thing about it is we live in a society that's instantaneous, you know. We all we want we want instant gratification. We want um, you know, we go worked out to the gym today and where's my six pack, you know? <laughs> it's it's we want we want things to be instant. And unfortunately that is not um how life is, <laughs> unfortunately. So yes, if you and, and that's one of the things I was talking about when I was talking about the original trauma bond definition, if you it outlives the relationship. So if you've been in that relationship for six years you know guess what that trauma bond can last about eight nine ten years um it can outlast the relationship because you are literally like you said retraining your mind um and you have to like um even if you look up all the definitions and and you know you research trauma bond it will tell you that you are rewiring your brain you are literally rewiring it and cognitive um based therapy is really really helpful because it is literally teaching you to rewire your brain okay we're going to retrain your brain we're going to think look at this completely differently um and like you said you don't necessarily a lot of people get that confused they think that they have to take medication not necessarily you know if you down the road you see a psychiatrist and they you know you you both later on you determine you know okay that maybe that may be right for me but i would um you know first suggest you know getting into therapy first and you know and working on um cognitive based therapy um, and, and, you know, there's many avenues, um, you know, abuser, um, victims, I'm sorry, victims take 
when you know seeking out um, therapy, there's there's several different options that may work. Um, so I would say, you know, suggest, you know, you find a good therapist and, you know, you may have to, that's the other thing about therapy. You may have to try a couple out before you find one that is um, a good fit for you. So never, you know, let that discourage you because I've talked to pe plenty of people and, you know, some of the support groups, they've tried two or three and then, you know, the, on the third try, you know, they, they found one that was a really good match with them. Some people found a good match on the first try. Um, you know, it just depends, but I, I would definitely go and, and the same thing with the type of therapy, you know, some cognitive base really works well. Some people like um, other forms of therapy. It just depends, but I would definitely go and at least, you know, um, start the healing process and, and start the education process because that's a huge piece. Knowing about domestic violence, knowing about narcissist abuse, knowing about the terms gaslighting, love bombing, trauma bonding, learning those terms, becoming familiar with that educational piece so that you know exactly um, what was going on. And so that when you get, when you meet someone else later down the road, you'll be able to see those red flags immediately. And you can say, I'm walking away from this before it even starts. I just wanted to add that for the support, um, look for multifaceted support um, and surround yourself with people who understand your situation. That's really important. So it should be people who understand your situation. You should also have friends and family because there may be friends and family who don't necessarily understand what you're going through, but they can empathize. So you want to make sure that you have support. Um, you're, you know, create, you know, join support groups, join mentoring sessions, seek therapy. It doesn't have to be one thing. It could be multifaceted to make sure that it's a journey. It's not a one step and it's not one size fit all. It's a big, big journey, but know that you don't have to do it alone. That's the biggest thing is a lot of times when we're in abuse, we feel alone because we've been alone so long in the relationship that once you come out of it, you still feel like you're alone. You don't have to be alone and know that you, there's safe places for you to get help and support. So, you know, seek out support groups that are healthy and helpful. Um, seek out mentorship, seek out therapy, um, do joint exercise groups. It could be multifaceted because when you're coming out of that trauma bond and some people say I feel like I'm overloading my calendar just so I can not think about him and sometimes that works for people because they need those distractions so then therefore they're not thinking about wanting to make that phone call or you know you know wanting to send that email or that text messages so everyone is different but find multi-levels of support so that you can be grounded and supported throughout your journey. Um, yeah, so I would say start here and then start to branch out. But learning is critically important. Knowing exactly what you've been through so then therefore you don't have to relive the cycle again is super important. So that's why the education piece is like the foundation for making sure you move forward into um, when you get beyond the horizon and ready to build a relationship again, you know the red flags. Because I think if I had asked in the chat and even asked all of us, your gut was probably telling you something. When we talk about love bombing, your gut was speaking to you. You just didn't listen. So could I get a show of hands to everybody that would say, yeah, my stomach was telling me something wasn't right, but I still... <laughs> I went in it anyway. Anybody in the chat can agree. Like, I think we can all say that it's okay to, and I, the other thing I want to go back to the love bombing, because uh, as Teresa described, is like really going really rapidly fast. 
And that should be super concerning in any situation where somebody's like trying to push you into basically walking down an aisle at this point <laughs> or something close to it. And it's okay to pump the brakes and say, you know, this is moving way too fast. And if you're, if the partner that you're with doesn't allow you to speak your mind and ask questions and like, you know, figure out where you are and want to know exactly what's happening, then that already is a red flag. So listen to your gut. Every survivor that I've spoken to has always said, I should have listened to my gut. Listen to your gut. It will not steer you wrong. So ask questions, say stop, and then also just get support and learn. That's all I have to add. No, that was that was wonderful. Um, did you? Is there any more comments in the chat? No, not right now. No. Okay. Okay, that's good. Um, well, just go ahead and you know chime in whenever you guys um, are ready. But yeah, that was actually really good what you said about though though, and you're right about um, following your instincts because um, I could actually if I tried to count on my hand, I would run out of fingers because literally. There were so many times I didn't follow my own instincts and I was right every time. So I now learned a valuable lesson that I will listen to myself first. And when I get a feeling that something is not right, it usually is not. Um, but unfortunately, I had to learn that, um, you know, the hard way several times because, yeah, I did not listen to my instincts. I mean, um, it wasn't right. I won't say it was right away. Like it wasn't like, um, you know, we were three weeks into the relationship. I, I can't give you like an exact date but I know it was early enough to where I should have um I should have had like little bells going off because he was talking to me about marriage and yeah it was like too soon but I was just you know that love bombing was just I was like okay whatever you know um mm -hmm. now of course now um if someone were you know to try that I would be like yeah okay like this is our our last date but Back then, though, you know, with the the love bombing, I just, you know, I didn't, you know, you don't know what you don't know, pretty much. Um, and I didn't, didn't know about love bombing. I didn't know about um, narcissist abuse. I didn't know, um, I didn't even know all of the um, things about domestic violence. I learned a lot more about domestic violence, too, as well. So it was a lot, um, a lot of education that I had after the fact, which helped me understand and now i would be able to uh, spot a lot of red flags right right so definitely and what was your experience with the the trauma bond um nikki like can you talk just like a little bit about actually her name is nicole but we sometimes call her nikki <laughs> 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 so Nikki, I always call her Nikki. I'm sorry. I know. <laughs> Nicole, Nikki. Um, I would say one thing. Um, when you said they moved like really fast, that should have been a red flag. Um, at the time, because like they they mirror your, the qualities that you know you think are perfect. So yes, I don't typically when I'm dating. I don't like to be like, okay, well, or be the person that's like, I'm going to put a label on this. I'm, you know, we're this, we're that. And he was the one that was so adamant to do it, which made me think, you know, like, oh, okay, this is different. And I enjoyed it. So, and so, and that was the really, the big thing that where he really got me. And he also 
because he made it seem like he was real big family oriented. He had his son because his other baby mother was not really together. So he had their other son. So, and he was like, you know, well, he needs a mother figure and stuff like that. So it, it all just seemed like way too good to be true. So he was already like making a family basically. Correct. Yes. And we hadn't even been dating like two months at that point. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, and, and that's what really drew me in. And whenever he would have, because he didn't start off hitting me. He started off like um, kicking holes through doors and making holes in wall and stuff like that. Intimidation and, tactics. Right. Well, it made me feel like, and then he would always say, well, I'm not like this. You're the one bringing this out of me. So then I was like, well, oh, wow. I whatever it is so that he can be the wonderful person that I fell in love with, you know? So if I fix it or if I stop exhibiting whatever behaviors that he doesn't like which was my strength anytime I would speak back was when I would get it because he didn't like it when I put him in his place and he couldn't intellectually argue back with me so then he would throw a fit is what would happen so or he felt like he couldn't win right <laughs> so he so he's like okay I can't win so this you know yeah precisely and it just, it seems like when, when they play with your emotions, like, cause, and they make it seem like it's your fault. They're the reasons why, you know, they're acting the way they're acting. If you would just do this, you. Yeah. And it's almost like you start to feel bad for them. Like, oh my goodness, I made you feel this way. I don't want to make you feel this way. I love you. I'm going to show you how, you know what I'm saying? How much I love you. And we look crazy to the outside world. Cause they're like, are you, are you serious? He did that to you. And you're going to go home and, and cook for him or, you know, whatever it may be. Because to a person outside, a normal person looking in, they're like, that looks insane. Yeah. He was gaslighting you, manipulating you to believe that things were your fault when they were not. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Um, my own personal story. Well, obviously, I went through the love bombing, too. And like I said, I didn't really... Um, question that although looking back I'm like yeah I, I definitely should have like you know because he was talking about marriage at a point that really wasn't it was too early to be talking about marriage but you know I didn't know that you know I didn't know what I didn't know then but one of my struggles too like with the trauma bond yeah that was um difficult and at the time I didn't when I was struggling with the trauma bond I didn't know what the trauma bond was I just knew that I um you know the relationship had ended um the abusive relationship had ended and I'm and I'm still sitting here like wanting to speak to him and wanting to call him and talk to him and I'm like what is going on with me um and yeah those um it's intense it, the best way I can describe it is it's intense um because you have this intense um impulse to want to to go back to talk to that person and you know, you feel like, okay, well, um, you know, maybe if I, I just have this one phone call or maybe I just go see them this one time. But um, as most people know with, with any addiction, it's just like if an alcoholic has, you know, one drink, it's not going to just be that one drink. So um, going no contact, I'm not going to sit here and lie to you um, from personal experience. Going no contact is extremely difficult, um, but it is, in the end, it will definitely help you. Um, it will definitely help you to break that trauma bond that was being reinforced. And 
um, you know, once you've had enough, enough time away from it. And like I said, it, it varies from person to person. So I cannot give you it a definite definitive time because it, it, it varies. But once you've had enough time away, you will start to see um, how beneficial the no contact was. You won't be able to see it in the beginning. I'm, I'm not going to sit here. Like I said, I'm not going to sit here and lie to you. I'm, I'm not a sugarcoating person. It's not my personality at all. But um, in the beginning, it will be extremely difficult. But once you, you, you've gone through it, and you, like I said, that's why the support system is, is really um, something that, you know, you really need to utilize, especially in that in the beginning, because it will be difficult. But once you've gone out, out of, been out of, you know, once you've been no contact for a while, you will start to see the benefits of it, definitely. Um, and I don't know if you guys did not join us last week, but there is an app, and let me just pull it up here. Yes, it's called Day Count. It is, and it's a free app. Um, so you, even if you have an iPhone, you have an Android, whatever you have. Um, download the free app it's called day count and you can literally put in there your no contact days and it will no count and it will count excuse me it will contact uh, I'm having trouble it will count them for you so like obviously you know you know those like I said those first couple weeks are gonna be hard you're gonna look at it you're gonna be like four days I stopped talking to them but hey like Yolanda said last week celebrate that celebrate if it's been three hours that you haven't talked to your abuser that's still hey you're still making progress um you know it's like i said again i always compare it to, to alcohol or drug use because it is an addiction and i want people to understand that so that's why i compare it so much it's just like you know if um, an alcoholic has gone a little bit without having a drink you know they would they would be proud of themselves and you should be be the same um so yeah you know again i know we live in a, a society like i previously stated that's instantaneous we want to see instant results but it's going to be a while, you know, you'll look at that phone and you'll see, you know, it's been three days, it's been four days. And before you know it, you will look up and you'll say, you'll see that it's been 365 days. So um, definitely just, just keep at it. It is work. You will have days and there are days that sometimes where you even relapse. Um, and there are times where sometimes, you know, it does happen. I'm not going to say it, it doesn't. It does happen where victims, you know, they do relapse and they do end up talking to the abuser. But, you know, we all have bad days and just, you know, okay, you know, tomorrow you're, you're going to go ahead and you're going to start it. It's okay to start over and, and go no contact. Um, Tasha had a question. She was wondering about how survivors feel, how do survivors feel safe in their own bodies? Because um, we are so used to the influx of criticism. Um, And she mentioned that her personal therapist, my personal therapist and I have been working on re rewiring her brain to feel safe within her own body. The theory she uses is a polyvagal theory and we are working on safe and sound protocol and allowing the self to have feelings because thoughts usually cause more chaos and more Deregulation. I think that's what it says. I can't see. First of all, I don't even have my glasses on, so I don't even know what I'm doing. But um, <laughs> she wanted to know how you know how we as survivors deal with anxiety or um, within our own bodies. And I just shared in the chat. Like it took me a good five years um, out of being in my relationship to really start to release the anxiety that I had about just myself and like everything because I lived in like fear and anxiety from when I was a child because of I grew up in a home of abuse so it took 
that long of a process for me to go through understanding exactly what was happening in my brain, in my body, and, you know, to really release and be able to, to let go and be free of all of the anxiety and fear that I was holding on to. It, it, and that's why I said it's, it's a journey. And some people, depending on how long you've been in abuse, you know, whether it's toxic, you know, toxic or abuse, whether it's from, you know, some of us are dealing from pain from, the, from childhood that we haven't dealt with, which we brought into our adulthood. So it's, we're reworking and stuff that's happened all the way from our core when we were young in those prime years, <laughs> in the early development stages that we haven't been able to deal with. So it depends on where you are in your journey. For me, it took a lot longer, which is great because I feel like I'm reborn for somebody else so don't be discouraged because of my story it took me eight years but you know you know somebody else it might be shorter but again it's it's also knowing you know what you're dealing with what you're holding on so I always say like if I was younger you know I'm so grateful to my mom for leaving my dad but um at some point I was still mad I was masking all of that pain and fear that was inside of me from when I was younger but I looked like I was thriving. So nobody ever would have known that, oh, she's still hurting from when, you know, you know, all the stuff that happened, she's still holding on to it. Nobody would have known. So I can't fault anyone. But I had to deal with that, you know, after I left my last relationship, it was like everything went back to from when I was younger. So again, um, like a lot of us is just dealing with a lot of weight that we just need to release. Definitely. And I think um, you touched on a, a lot of good top things because like um that can also be you know something there's many of us that's how we got into abusive relationships you know there was some trauma bonding in our um childhood there may have been some abuse in the childhood you know there there was just some there may have been some type of trauma in the childhood you know that we were still dealing with as adults the other thing too is um a lot of times um victims suffer from post-traumatic post-traumatic stress disorder ptsd um, which PTSD is a mental health condition that is triggered by a terrifying event, um, either experiencing or witnessing it. And as, you know, a domestic violence survivors, we have um, experienced plenty of terrifying events. Not only that, um, we, we're constantly in a state of flight or fright, um, flight or fright mode with our, and that has, you know, um, an effect on our bodies because we're constantly um, in fear and it's, you know, it affects you being that way and, and, you know, being stressed out um, on a consistent basis. So I, I definitely recommend um, huge advocate for therapy because it's, it's much needed um, and a huge advocate for, for self love and self care. Um, self-love, self-care, and self-soothing. Those are things that, you know, um, you, you definitely have to work on. And through therapy, um, you will work on some of that. And then as well as, um, I'm, I'm a big believer in, in therapy and also, um, you know, as well as education. You know, both of those things hand in hand, you will definitely get through the healing process. And of course, as always, support too. So um, thank, thank you for sharing that though. 
Yeah, and I just wanted to say back to the self-love, self-care, because if you look on any, you know, everybody's talking about self-love, self-care. So it's like everybody has their way of self-love, self-care. Find out what that is for you, because specifically you have to do what works for you, what what self-soothes you. So even though there's a thousand remedies and everybody has their thoughts of what self, you know, self-love is getting in the bathtub or going on fancy trips. So it could be for me, it's just simply walking, like me walking a couple of miles. That for me is everything. So find out what it is for you. Define it for yourself. And it doesn't have to look like anybody else's self-love or self-care regimen. Absolutely. We're all individuals. Um, although, you know, um, we come together as survivors, but even our stories of survival are very different. Um, you know, we're all individuals. So, you know, what may be self-soothing to you and self-love and self-care for you may be completely different for another person. And that's okay. For me, I, I love going on walks. Um, I, I love going on walks by myself um, to kind of clear my mind, but I also like when I go with my kids because they make it fun because my kids are never quiet. <laughs> Anyone who knows my kids knows they're, they're, they're a lively bunch, <laughs> my kids. So yeah, um, I like going, I like doing both. I like walking by myself and then also walking with them too. There are no more questions in the chat at this time. Okay. And then um, I will also take this time while we have you here and we have your attention to remind you that, so yes, um, NDV Healing and Support Incorporated does um, have a mentoring and coaching program. So that is where you can get that one-on-one one support. Um, we have myself, we have Yolanda, we have um, Nikki, Nikki slash Nicole, <laughs> and we have other admins that will be happy to assist you in that process. However, there are some people that are also interested in group support sessions, and we have that as well. We have our group, our support group session, which is the group that gets together. We meet Saturdays bi-weekly, and it is a partnership between NDV Healing Support Incorporated and Live Fearless Incorporated, which is Yolanda, um, the nonprofit that Yolanda founded. And we are actually meeting this Saturday. So if you are interested, please, um, you're already on um, our page. So go to the events and um, you can click right on there and um, go to the Eventbrite and, you know, we'll send us the email with your registration information, which is just basically your name, your phone number. Um, your city state and then we'll send you the zoom link so it is virtual so it allows from people to join us from all over the United States and other countries um, the wonderful thing about our support groups is not only that do um, survivors come together from all different areas um, and of course you have myself and Yolanda facilitating but we also have special guest mental health um, professionals come on and each time they come on they talk about a different topic and the survivors get to get that educational piece that we've been talking about throughout this live um, because it's important to get therapy and education to help you in your journey um, after you know your journey after abuse so we have that and then once the um, mental health professional is done speaking we open it up to survivors to ask questions and um and and share you know whatever things that they want to share or any comments that they have and then of course we close the session so those are bi-weekly and we would love for you to join us it will be this saturday october 17th it is at 5 30 p.m central time 6 30 eastern and 3 30 
Pacific time. So please um, go ahead and join us. And then of course, you know, as always, um, NDV has um, several other events that are going on through the month of October. Um, and they are all virtual events, so you'll be able to join us no matter where you are. So please click on um, our events tab uh, and be sure to join us at some of our events. Um, and we really would like hope that you come to our support groups because I know we get a lot of people um, that reach out to us that are, um, you can definitely do both. You can get the one-on-one the -on -one support with the mentoring and coaching, but you can also get that group support um, with the support group and with, like I said, um, the benefit of having the mental health professional that comes on in, you know, as guest speakers. Um, and one, another important event I did want to point out too is that on October 16th, this Friday at 6.30 p.m. Central Time, 7.30 Eastern, we are having a candlelight visual for all those that um, we have lost due to domestic violence. So if you have lost someone, please um, reach out to us so we can make sure that we honor them. Um, you know, some people have already reached out to us, um, you know, to have us honor their loved ones that they have lost due to domestic violence. So if you would like your loved one honored, please um, reach out to us um, and we would honor them during the candlelight visual on Friday, October 16th. Um, and if you did not catch our wonderful um, first annual virtual speak out, which was on October 5th, um, please feel, feel free to go ahead and play back that replay. Um, on October 22nd week we, um, October 22nd we are having our virtual community panel that's different than the virtual speak out the virtual speak out is where um, different survivors and professionals um, shared their stories um, on the community panel we will actually discuss specific topics on domestic violence with specific questions um, that we will be addressing um, such as you know legal reform and things like that and that will be on October 26th live on this page so make sure you join us for that on October 24th we are also having our virtual book launch um, for the book that I co-authored, which is My Secret Life, My Journey Through Domestic Violence. So please make sure you join us for that. And then, of course, we also have um, the walk that we're doing um, in support, and you can walk at any time um, where you're at and donate to NDB Healing and Support um, at any time for that. And then we also have the shelter drive where we are um, collecting items for hygiene products so that we can deliver them to the shelters um, for domestic violence survivors. And we have our Wear Purple Fridays. On Fridays, post a picture of yourself wearing purple and hashtag NDV Healing and Support Incorporated Domestic Violence Awareness. Um, and we also have our daily facts on domestic violence. And then, of course, tomorrow we will be having our wine tasting and raffle where you can win great prizes um, and you can support domestic violence survivors by either purchasing a bottle of wine and the proceeds will go um, to NDB Healing and Support Incorporated or you can also purchase, um, if you want, five, the raffle tickets, which those are um, $5. So those are just a couple of events that we're having and we just wanted to let you know. Um, but the main thing um, we wanted to let you know is please, please, um, you know, Feel free to reach out for any mentoring and coaching support, or if you want to join our group, um, those are bi-weekly Saturdays, so um, we have the one this Saturday, and if you missed that one, feel free to join um, the one the following Saturday, which is for um, our virtual domestic violence support empowerment series with mental health professionals. 
So um, I just wanted to wrap up and thank everyone for joining us tonight um, on our talk, talk about trauma bonding and love bombing. Um, please join us, you know, again. Now we are doing this these live Wednesdays, but we won't be doing one on the 21st. Um, we're actually going to do, um, our next one will be the 28th. Um, Yolanda is actually having a um, finance workshop, which I would really um, go, I would go to Live Fearless Inc. page and, you know, sign up for that because I know a lot of survivors actually deal with financial abuse, you know, in domestic violence, you deal with um, sexual abuse, emotional abuse, physical abuse, and um, financial abuse as well. So I would go ahead and um, definitely reach out and join that as well. So thank you again for joining and we will see you again right here next Wednesday, um, Wednesday the 28th, and we will have a different topic for you for Domestic Violence and Narcissist Abuse 101. I want to thank again my co-hosts Yolanda Oliver and Nikki Davis, and we will see you Wednesday the 28th. Thank you. Bye. Bye.